Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. It's where you can be turning. Hebrews chapter 12. Good to see you. Way to be awake. We drove over here this morning and it was like, this is the wrong time to be awake. It felt like with uh, all the, um, how rainy it was, but I'm glad that you're awake and that you're here as much as you can be awake. And, um, I appreciate you being here. Listen, I know some of you had no choice in the matter. You're here because your parents had you here. I hope you'll let God's Word speak to you this morning and uh, be a help to you. Uh, my name is Matt, as he said, and uh, my wife Hannah and our son Samuel, and we travel in full-time evangelism. So we just came from Virginia, and uh, we're going to be going uh, next week. I uh, did a revival meeting there, and I'm going to be preaching this week at um, Good News uh, Mission. Uh, and in Indianapolis, and then uh, going to be preaching tonight to a lot of lost, unsaved people. Um, guys, don't ever forget that as much as you might say, eh, you know, these people are kind of intimidating, kind of scary, kind of weird, uh, you know, who knows who they are, what they do. They need the Lord. You know, that's something I have to remind myself is they all need the Lord just as much as I did. I'm no, I'm no much more of a sinner than they are. If I was to not receive Christ, I'd receive the same punishment as them. So we're going to be preaching each night over there and uh, so be praying uh, if you think of it that someone will get saved this week and then uh, i'm going to be we'll go on to uh, to ohio and i'll be preaching at a revival meeting there and so we get to get around and it's fun uh, i'm telling you something guys if you surrender to the lord let god control your life it's actually enjoyable okay believe it or not it really is uh, i actually um i was trying to when i was younger i tried to impress the lord with telling him that i was going to be a missionary but that was because i didn't want to be a pastor and if I had continued on that, and I finally surrendered and said, Lord, fine, I'll be a pastor if you want me to. And when I surrendered to that, God said, don't worry, I wasn't even going to make you do that anyway. I'm going to have you be something you hadn't even thought of, an evangelist. And uh, so uh, it may not be for your life, it may not be a preacher, but I'm telling you this, you just surrender, let God have everything and control it all. He'll take care of you and he won't mess it up. Okay, um, God's really taking care of us and we're enjoying it. Um, so glad to be here. Uh, I'll tell you a fun, uh, maybe a short, quick story. Um, I was actually, uh, when Pastor Monty uh, was looking for a youth pastor, I don't know if I ever told you this, um, I got a uh, call from, uh, from your dad, uh, from uh, Shane Handy, and uh, if you know him, and uh, said, do you know this guy, Scotty? And I said, oh dear, Why? And he said, well, because uh, our, 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 you know what? He may not have even called me. I think I may have called Shannon because I saw, somehow I found out that they were looking at Scotty for youth pastor. And, I, and I'm serious. I, I'm sorry, man. I called him and I said, look, maybe he's different, but there are some issues with this guy. I really did. I called him and I was, and I said, um, he's, uh, this thing happened with him and, uh, and this is, this is something I know about him and these issues and I wouldn't. This sounds really bad if you're really looking at hiring him. And I, I was, it was, it was pretty bad. And I thought, because, you know, I told him, that's why I told him about Scotty. And then I, um, I called someone else the next day and said, hey, they're looking at so-and-so for a youth pastor. You remember this guy did this? And he's like, no, that wasn't Scotty. That was so-and-so. Oh, shoot. And so I called Shannon back. It was like, never mind. Never mind. Any of those things that I just said, that wasn't him at all. It was someone else. So, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. I almost, um, I don't know how much weight my, my voice holds, but I almost shot down, uh, your youth pastor to at least to, uh, one person. But, um, uh, but it's okay. Uh, apparently he's doing a really good job from what I've heard. Uh, maybe you think he's okay. Um, but, um, I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad you have a good youth pastor, guys. I hope that you'll be willing to open up to your youth pastor when you have issues. At home, when you have issues at school, tell your youth pastor, okay? Let him help you. 
That's why he's here. That's why you're paying him. You say, I'm not paying him anything. Okay, well, that, that's what he's getting paid. So, uh, so um, make him earn his money, okay? Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're at this morning. What time do I need to be done by? Um, 15. 10.15. All right, that will work. 10.15, perfect. All right. So, Hebrews chapter 12, what we're going to do is we're going to read just a couple of verses that you're probably pretty familiar with, and then, uh, but I hope that you'll let uh, God's Word speak to you this morning, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, and um, verse, number, uh, verse number 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let me ask you guys this. Who is a, um, what is a kind of person that the world, whether they should or not, a person that the world would consider to be a hero? Tell me one. What's someone that someone that the world considers to be a hero, whether they should or not? Okay, Michael Jordan, yeah, sure, uh, a basketball player, an athlete, okay, give me, instead of like specific people, give me like a generality, like, a, like okay, an athlete, some people consider athletes to be heroes, what's another one, people think to, that they're like heroes, presidents. presidents, that's a good one, yeah, you might have a specific president that's a hero to you, that might be a better choice than an athlete, yeah, soldiers, soldiers. there's another one, yes, definitely heroes here in America, firefighters, firefighters all right, good, that's a good one, what's another one? How, yeah, go ahead. Police officers. Police officers, okay. How about this one? Do people not hold up celebrities as heroes? You know, it's, it really is unfortunate because, you know what? We watch them in a movie and we see their character that they are faking that they are in that movie. Believe it or not, yeah, they are faking that person. And then you meet them in real life and you find out that they don't have any of those characteristics. They don't have any of those moral qualities that you appreciated maybe in a movie. They don't have any of that in real life. Yet we hold them up as like, oh, tell us what you think about the political situation. And, you know, you hear about death, 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 death. And that's about all you get from them. Okay, what's another hero? People at least hold up as heroes, whether they should or not. How about, um, how about artists? You know, sometimes it's pretty amazing what people will ask music artists, these deep questions, and what comes back is, uh, you know, it's just like, a, what, what was that? I don't even get what that is. You know, um, different, uh, different people hold up different people as heroes. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter before, is full, the Bible has, of people that you could hold up as a hero, people that, you know, you've heard about in God's word, you've heard about um, guys like Abraham, or uh, maybe we should start here, you can go back more. Noah is listed in there, guy who built the ark. Uh, you've got Abraham, guy who left, uh, who left uh, the earth, who left the world to go to where God had um, told him to go. Uh, you got Moses, guy who led God's people out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. Uh, you've got David, killed Goliath and was uh, the king, uh, was king of Israel, the king described as a man after God's own heart. Uh, you've got um, uh, Gideon. Here's a guy who led 300, uh, uh, 300 Israelis and beat 135,000 Midianites in one battle. That's pretty, that's a pretty good hero. You know, what's interesting though is, uh, you look at them in Hebrews 11, we hear about their heroics, what they did for God, but you gotta also realize that these men were not perfect. Okay? Noah, guy who got drunk and did some pretty bad things while he was drunk. Abraham, 
a guy who struggled with lying. David, an adulterer and a murderer. Um, Gideon, a guy who struggled with fear. Um, Moses, a guy who struggled with keeping his temper. You know, anybody out here ever struggled with anger? You ever struggled with um, lust? You ever struggle with drinking? You ever struggle with um, uh, you ever struggle with fear? You ever struggle with um, these things? Well, then can I tell you this? Um, these men who were heroes of the faith, yes, they were far from perfect. Because you know what happens is we look at people like Abraham, Moses, Noah. We see these guys, uh, uh, and you would say, you know what? Uh, that's all fine and good. They have something I don't have, and I'll never be like them because those people were perfect. If you think they're perfect, you obviously don't read your Bibles. Okay, because they were not perfect. And you know what is interesting is we look at these people, and the problem is we look at the people, we see what they've done, and we think, well, if I'm going to do anything for God, i got to do what they did, and I can't do what they did because I can never be like they are. Folks, the, the point that God wants to show you this morning is that these men were not great because they did great things. They were great because they had a great God. They didn't have any more than you can have. Because you have the same God that they have. Problem is, they relied on their God a lot more than some of you. And they trusted God and submitted to God a lot more than some of you may. Now, this passage in chapter 12, verse 1, uh, as you probably know, at the end of verse 1, it says, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay, so God compares your Christian life, your walk with God, to be a Christian race. And by the way, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, let me tell you this. Um, I, I don't know. I really know like none of you, but I'm going to tell you this. If you aren't saved here this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you are successfully faking out everyone in this room, good job. You won't fake out God. When you die one day and stand before God, you may have faked your parents out and your youth pastor and everyone else, and you may want to be one of the best dressed people here this morning, but I'm telling you, you haven't faked out God. Okay, But if you've been saved, you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, then the Bible says life for you is like a race. Let me give to you this morning, uh, let me give to you this morning five simple guidelines of what the Bible says of how to, can we say, run a successful Christian race. These were guidelines that these men and, and women were listed in Hebrews chapter 11, men and women of God followed that helped them see, can we say, success in the Christian life. Because you know what is interesting? They were not some macho men. I mean, these, these people, even though they did all these things that we think I could never accomplish that for God, it wasn't because they had incredible strength. It's because they had an incredible God and they figured out that the more I rely on him, the more God can do through me. So look, first of all, if you would, guidelines, uh, from, uh, guidelines on how to run a successful Christian race. Number one, is lay aside dead weight. Verse number uh, one says, since we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, he said, let us lay aside every weight. All right, so that verb, lay aside, is a verb. It means to, it almost has the idea of taking something off and dropping it to the side, and not only dropping it to the side, but almost like kicking it to the side. And he says that, that you and I, as we run the Christian race, were to take off weights. What would be a weight? Well, if you want to kind of define it, you would call a weight something that hinders or prevents you from doing something you ought to do. Something that hinders or prevents you from accomplishing what you ought to do. 
Several years back, I was um, watching a... Um, I, I came in on someone and they had something on the TV. I don't even know what the TV show was. I wish I had figured out what it was or written it down or something because it was kind of fascinating. Uh, maybe, maybe you'll know what it is because I, I can't, I, I have no idea what it was. What it was was it had a course set up and it was kind of like a, it was like a huge obstacle course. I mean, covered a lot of ground and you had, I don't know, maybe 10, 15, maybe 20 um, competitors in it. And what you had to do was you had to survive two hours in that course without being tagged. That's it. And if you survived and you were the winner, you got $50,000. And so, uh, so when they would say go, you'd run in, you'd run into the course and, and they would have taggers out there. And these people would just be walking around. And then when they saw you, they would just take off and come running and come running after you. And you don't want to get tagged. And they had all kinds of things in there that you could, that would happen. Like right at the beginning of this, uh, of this event, uh, the host called, uh, basically, you know, they had like, um, communication devices for all these people. And so the host calls to everyone and says, all right, the race just started, but I'll tell you this, the first, if the first person to call me back and say they want to bow out of the race right now, I'll give you $2,000. You know, so do you want to stay in it? You think you can get 50 grand? Or do you want to go out for two? And so one guy immediately called in and he went out of the race immediately, guaranteed money. So he took it. And there were all kinds of, you could almost call them like lifelines that they had. Um, they had these things called invisibility glasses, where if you're getting chased, you could pop these glasses on and the chaser would see you had the glasses and he would just turn around and walk away. And um, there was a moment in that race, there was this guy who was probably like six foot eight and I don't know, I think he was like a wrestler off of some other TV show. They brought him on just for this and he was one of the taggers. But what they did was they gave him a pack, some kind of like a backpack and it would, um, and he had to carry this thing and it had heavy weights in it and would slow him down. And they made a big deal of it right before a commercial. They said, you know, he calls everybody and says, all right, so, all right, folks, so-and-so, the tagger, and the camera goes to this guy, and it goes all slow-mo, is now dropping his weights. And he grabs the pack and you know, throws it off and, you know, like does this dramatic walk towards the camera, and then it goes to a commercial. And, you know, and the point is, the point is what happened was that now that he has cast off these weights, now that he has thrown uh, this excess weight to the side, now he is able to do what he ought to be doing. And that was tag people. And you know something, guys, girls? It's in the Christian life, you and I have things in our lives that are not sin in and of themselves, but they will keep us from having our most effective Christian life. Things in our lives that will keep us from having our most effective Christian life. Let me ask you guys, give me, give me, shout out some answers. What is something that is not sin in and of itself that could hinder you from having your most effective Christian life? Sports. Sports. Good. School. Good. Music. Music. Yeah. Work. Work. Yep. Hobbies. Hobbies. Yep. Things that are not sin of themselves. What else? Parents? What's that? Friends. friends. Yeah, friends. You know, all these things, nothing's wrong with them. There's nothing sinful about having friends. There's nothing sinful about having a job. But you know, things that are not sin of themselves can be a weight that keeps you from doing all that God wants you to do. Like phones. Yeah. Phone games. You ever sometimes, especially if you have an iPhone, you should check out how much time, because it'll record for you if you'll let it, check out how much time you spend on your phone in a week and compare that to how much time you spend in God's Word. 
Phones, phone games, video games, TV, internet, work, sleep, dating, exercising, shopping, sports, um, socializing, swimming, uh, swimming pool, boats, movies, music, talking on the phone, uh, books, YouTube, all this stuff. And you know what's interesting, guys, is that a successful athlete does not choose between what's good and bad. He chooses between what's good and what is best. Someone who sees God use their life. Let me tell you something, guys. Do you want God to use you? Some of you really do. Some of you don't care, and I really can't, I don't know, I can't help you unless you're willing to submit to the Lord. But if you want God to use you, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to one day choose between good and best if you really want to see God use you. You know, in, um, in swimming, you know what I heard one time is that they said that there were, um, there were some swimmers in, in the Olympics that they would actually, they got a special suit that they would cover, it basically covered their body and they swim now with this suit that covers their body. And you know what the reason was? The reason was because they had, they, they did some kind of study. They found out that all the hairs on your body can actually slow you down when you're swimming with your strokes and it actually can slow you down by like about that much. <laughs> Is that a big deal? Come on, that much? Yeah, because some races are decided by that much. And so swimmers decided, man, I'm willing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that I can win by that much. And you know something? Some of you wouldn't be willing, some of you wouldn't, aren't willing to sacrifice little things to serve the Lord. You know, you, you know some of you could actually see, see someone saved. God could use you. God could use you. The problem is you're full of dead weights. God could use you and do great things with some of you, but some of you are so wrapped up in your phones, in your friends, in the internet, on every kind of social media, on Snapchat, on every kind of thing that you can think of. You're so consumed with hours for this, you don't have time for God. You know, that's going to carry over into your adult life. Let me tell you, I preach to adults that have no time for serving the Lord. There's no time for the gospel. Why, if you're a Christian, why do you exist? What, to have a career and then get a retirement? You really want to live for that? Listen, yeah, get a career and get a retirement. But don't live for it. There's much more to life than that. There is God, the one who saved you and bought you. God says if you're going to have a successful Christian race, lay aside every weight. Then he says number two in verse number one, he says, uh, he says and also lay aside the sin which doth so easily beset us. The sin that so easily besets us. The word beset is a word that has the idea of attack. Something that easily attacks or ambushes someone. In other words, um, guys, the, the devil will try to ambush you with the sin struggles that, that, are, um, that are specific. You could say the ones you struggle with. You know, we're all different. We're all wired differently. And, uh, and so we, uh, we're all wired differently. And so different sins are struggles for different people. But you know what? Can I say this? Know where your weakness is. Know where your weakness is and be ready to shore it up. You know, after, um, after World War I, the French, uh, you know, the Germans were the ones, uh, um, you know, the fighters in World War I, and the French were on the Allied side, and they said, you know what? Never again are we going to let the Germans attack us. This was after World War I. Never again. And so they built along, kind of along the French-German line, they built a, a fortification, you can call it, called the Maginot Line. And it's this big old line that goes from north to south, and it was covered with fortifications, forts, sandbags, um, armored guns, soldiers, and they had this huge line so that if Germany ever tried to come their way again, they would meet with a force 
that could stop them. Any army crossing that way would not be able to go through the Maginot Line. Well, you know what? Uh, just like 30 years later, Adolf Hitler rose to power, and Germany came into France again, and this time wiped France out. You know how they did it? Whoa, did they get through the Maginot Line? No, they just, real simple. They just went around it. You know, there's other land. You know, you just always go around it. They just went around the Maginot Line and wiped out France and kept on moving. And you know, Satan isn't always going to attack your strength. Satan knows where your weaknesses are. Do you? You know where your weaknesses are? If you do, you know, uh, where is your weakness? Some of you struggle a lot with lying. Some of you struggle with your music. Some of you struggle with your attitude. Some of you struggle with respecting parents and authorities. Some of you, it's your, it's your thought life. Some of you don't keep your minds clean. Some of you um, spend all day long reviewing the way that people have hurt you in the past. Some of you are consumed with pride, with laziness, with hatred. And you know what God says? God says that you need to put the sin away. He says that the sin needs to go from your life. Listen, because God has your best interest in mind. Can I tell you something? Sin is designed to hurt you. It is designed to hurt you with the lie that says this will give you pleasure. You know, the Bible is very real when it says that, this, that the pleasures of sin are for a season. God makes it very clear sin will be fun. And when sin is done giving you fun, it'll hurt you. Some of you see it in your parents. Some of you, your parents have already, one's left the other, or they're threatening to. You see what sin does when people are angry, when people lie, when people cheat, when people are selfish, when people are proud. You see it in your parents. You don't think that sin will destroy you too? Guys, put away sin. And then God says, you know, if you want to see God use you, put away dead weights, put away sin. But he says then in verse in verse 1, he says, and run with patience the race that is set before us. Have The word patience just means endurance. Perseverance. I always like to say it this way. You know, who's going to last? God, say, God says that, you know, that living for God is not something that you just get excited about at youth revival, at youth conference, at camp, or whatever. That, you know, if that is the only time that you get excited about serving God, you're not going to last. You know why? You're built on emotion. You are founding your faith on emotion if the only time you are excited or into serving God is at camp, at youth revival, or, or just in the week after that. Your faith is built on emotion, not God's word. And God says you need to have patience. You need to have endurance. I, I, like I said, I like to say, who's going to last? Who's going to be around? You know, if, um, if I was to come back in five years, you know, probably the youngest person here is 13, maybe 12, probably. You know, some of you are 17. You know, in five years, you could be married and have a kid. <laughs> some of you are like, oh. <laughs> whoa, you know, that seems to yeah, you're that close. You know, it was just five years ago that you were 12. That wasn't that long ago. Five more years, you're going to be 22. You could be married and possibly even have a child. You know, who's going to be still in church? Because some of you are already putting practices in place so that when you get so that when you get out of the house, you're going to be so consumed with work 
and with stuff and with things that don't last, you'll have no time for God. You won't have time even for church, let alone serving God and getting the gospel out. God says, who's going to last? Who's going to still be around? Who cares enough here to, to say, I want to have <coughs> endurance? But then he, so, so you might say, okay, Matt, this is all fine and good. I understand I should put away dead weights. I understand I should put away sin. I understand that I need to have endurance and last. You say, but Matt, that is impossibly hard. You're right. It is impossible for you and me, but not impossible for our God. Let me tell you something. Young people, when you got saved, if you're saved, when you got saved, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that Christ now lives inside of you. That you are, Galatians 2.20 says that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And, and you know what's good news is that Jesus does not struggle with your sin. He doesn't, and he lives in you, and he says that you can have his strength. Here's number four, is get strength from Jesus. Verse number two says that as we live this Christian life, we're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That word author means he's the one who started. He's the one who saved you, and uh, he's the one who showed you that you, needed, uh, that you needed salvation. But when he says that he's also the finisher, that's a word that means the perfecter, meaning that God is the one who will help you become what you ought to be. Listen, if you are living the Christian life by saying, well, I'm trying to do right. I try to live for God. I try. Do you know what is going to happen? You are going to fall on your face because your tries will fail. But Christ's strength doesn't. You know what? Instead of um, some of you have lived for so long saying, saying, well, I'm going to try to give up my sin. I'm going to try to put away these things. I'm going to try to start living for God. Guys, that won't work for life. That won't last because your strength will not last. Some of you have been told, and I don't know by who, but if you've ever been told, you know, hey, you got a sin problem? Well, you know what to do, so just do it. Just do it. I hated being told that because it was like, I'm trying. And you know, it was when someone told me that your trying will do absolutely nothing, that's when I got a hold of it. And when I found out that the strength of Jesus Christ is enough to enable you and me to do what we ought to do, it changed, it, it changed me. Philippians 4.13, you've memorized it. It says, I can do all things through which strengtheneth me. Well, look at that. In other words, you can do all things through Christ, which means you can do nothing with your own power. And some of you know exactly what it means to fail all day and all night when you want to serve God. Young people, you've got to get strength from Jesus. This is why... Men and women of Hebrews 11 were heroes of the faith because they figured out that living for God was not something that they mustered up in their own strength. They had to get strength from God. Do you? You know, some of you will never be able to love your parents until you start asking God for the power. Some of you will never be able to forgive someone who has hurt you very deeply until you start asking God for the strength. Some of you will never be able to get rid of the music that no one else knows about until you start asking for strength from God. Some of you are you're never going to be able to shake the habits you have of lying and losing your temper until you learn that, that it is nothing of my strength, that I need strength from Jesus Christ. And finally, number five, just briefly, is uh, finally uh, keep your eye on the prize. I think it's interesting in verse 2 when he says that you need strength looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of your faith. It says of him, it says about him, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. 
You know, I don't think I need to tell you too much about, you know, the fact you know that when Jesus died on the cross, it was not a happy time, that it was suffering, it was pain, and it was hurt. And as he was there on the cross, and as he is, uh, is nailed to a cross, as he's whipped across his back, as the crown of thorns is jammed into his face, yet the Bible says that he endured it all. He despised the shame, even though he didn't like how he was being mocked and embarrassed by his own creation, yet he endured it all. Why? Because he said for, it was for the joy that was set before him. In other words, it says, because he knew there was a reward at the end of suffering. What was the reward? Well, for one thing, verse 2 tells us, it says that he was going to be set down at the right hand of the throne of God. One of the, you could almost say, the rewards that Jesus received for having endured the cross was he was exalted to the right hand of God the Father. Do you know also this, and we read this in other passages, is that another reward that Jesus was given was he got to save some of his creation and redeem them. That'd be you and me if you're saved. If you've asked Jesus to be your savior, that's you and me. And Jesus endured the hard things because he knew in the end there would be reward. Not just reward of like, you know, like stuff for him, but uh, he'd get to have souls. You know why? One of the reasons why God says, look, get strength from me so that you can lay aside the dead weight so that you can put away the sin that so easily uh, ambushes you and attacks you. Put that aside and have endurance and get strength from Jesus. He says, because there is reward. Do you really want to lose a mom or dad and know that you know that they never asked Jesus to be their savior. You know what's even worse is if you were to lose a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a friend, and not only do you know that you know, or you're pretty sure that you know that they never asked Jesus to be their savior, but you never told them. You know, so long as you love your sin, you won't want to win sinners. As long as you're enjoying sinful things, you won't, as long as you're enjoying worldliness, you won't want to win the world. But God says, you know what? There is, um, there's reward. You'll get to see people saved. There's reward. And the reward is you'll get to see God change lives. So he says, Put away the sin. Put away, put away the sin. Put away the, the dead weights. Put away all these things that just, uh, these things that don't matter. Put them away and get, ask, start asking God for the strength to do what you ought to do. He says, because in due time, God will do great things with you. These heroes of the faith, they weren't something, it wasn't like they got more of something than, than you do. The, all they knew was that they had a God who could enable them and they trusted God to do it. You know, you have the same God, and he can do it through you too. You can close your Bibles. We're just about done. There was, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you this briefly, and, and, and we'll close. There was a guy back in 1981, a guy by the name of Bill Broadhurst joined a race. Um, it was the Pepsi Challenge, and uh, Pepsi Challenge race, and it was, I think, 10,000 meters, something like that, so five or six miles or something like that. And, uh, you know, there were about 1,200 people at that race that day. What made Bill Broadhurst different was that i think 10 years earlier it was he had had a brain aneurysm which had left his entire one side um uh, paralyzed basically uh you know he couldn't use it 
You try walking to church with a leg that doesn't move, let alone running a five or six mile race. <laughs> right? And so the gun sounds. Bill Broadhurst immediately falls to the back of the pack, but he's going to finish the race. And as he, as he goes on, some people finish the race in about 30 minutes. It took him over two and a half hours. That's like the time it takes a normal runner, uh, a normal Olympic runner, to at least run a marathon. And so finally, he crosses the finish line. Not too many people were left, but there was one guy there by the name of another Bill. Bill Rogers was there. Bill Rogers, again, you don't know who he is. I don't really that much either, but I did read this. Bill Rogers was a famous, I think maybe even an Olympic racer. Bill Rogers waited to the end. I guess he'd heard about this guy that was coming with a, with a, a bum leg. And um, when Bill Broadhurst crossed that line with his you know, floppy leg, Bill Rogers took his own medal off and placed it on Bill Broadhurst's neck. And gave him his medal. You know, um, that race took endurance. So does yours. Can I say this? God won't forget about you. When, when things are seeming hard, when you're fighting sin and you're looking for strength from Christ and you're, and you're by God's power putting away the dead weights and enduring and, and getting strength from Jesus Christ, can I tell you this? God won't forget. God will take care of you. You, won't be, you may not become some millionaire, but I'm telling you this, God will take care of you. And you'll have more joy in, and more, um, more satisfaction in life knowing that you have done God's will. For now, God's will just looks like you living right with God. You know, because you've you got to be in school. There's something else you can do. You've got to be in school. <laughs> or what else are you going to do right now? Or maybe get a job as well as that. But I'm telling you this, follow God's will now. By getting the strength of Christ, push aside, push aside sin. Say, I don't want to have a part of that sin. Ask him for the strength to overcome when temptation comes. And uh, ask him for the strength. Start putting aside the dead weights. Don't let that stuff steal your time. Get strength from Christ. And let God use you. Look, we're not in it so that we can get in our name in a hero's book. But it is nice to end life knowing God used me. As opposed to, hey, I got my 401k, I got my retirement, yay. Okay, good. By the way, get a retirement, it's not a bad idea. But don't live for it. There's much greater things. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the starter, and the perfecter of your faith. Let's close in prayer. Lord, help us. I pray that you would um, encourage, especially, Lord, um, young people who are here who know, they know that they know that um, um, they need help, they need help. Um, that need your strength, I pray that you would um, just show them how much your strength could do through them and with them. I pray that um, I pray that this youth group would not be a flesh-dependent youth, but they would be a Christ-dependent youth. And I pray that you would um, give them the strength to do what they ought to do. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.